Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Midnight Family is set in Mexico City, where the government operates fewer than 45 emergency ambulances for a population of over 9 million people. This has spawned an underground industry for pro- of for-profit ambulances who often run are run by people with little or no training or certification. An exception in this ethically fraught, cutthroat industry, the Ochoa family struggles to keep their financial needs from jeopardizing the people that they care for. Again, the film is called Midnight Family, and it has screened in over 135 film festivals around the world and won more than, or I believe, 25 national and international awards. And we're joined today by the director, and that would be Luke Lawrenson. Luke Lawrenson, welcome to Film School Radio. Yeah, thank you so much for for having me, taking the time to see the film. Uh, it's a great film, right? really, truly wonderful film. Uh, very intimate, very, uh, you feel like you're immersed in this experience that the Ochoa family is dealing with on a daily basis. Uh, and uh, you really feel for them, for, for who they are and what they're trying to accomplish. They seem like exceedingly decent people. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you got to know them and sort of how the, the evolution of... Um, Midnight Family into the documentary film we see in theaters today. Yeah, so I, I was living in Mexico City at the time. This is in 2015. I was working on a few different films, none of which were quite panning out as I hoped they would. And one morning I woke up and the Achella family was just parked in front of my apartment building. I, I guess I was just curious what a family was doing with their own medical vehicle and I started chatting with them and quite quickly was invited to ride along in the ambulance for a night to see them work. And in that first evening, I just saw this whole underworld of for-profit health care that was filling in for a government that just wasn't doing its job. And so I kept going back and I started filming with them pretty regularly and and spent um, almost three years on and off with them uh, putting the film together. What was the initial reaction when you approached them about being becoming a part of, of their life as in, in the work that they do? What was there a because there are a number of different members of the family of the Ochoa family. Was there a varying degrees of cooperation, or how, how did that go? <laughs> they were from the beginning really warm and open people. I, I wasn't showing up and, and saying. I want to spend the next three years with you to make a film. It was, can I come back tomorrow? Uh, How about the next day? And little by little, we kind of built a relationship that was really intimate. And, you know, when I'm making a film like this one, which all relies on, you know, observational cinema and and really relies on on intimacy, and so the, the work of making it is building the right relationship. And, and like I said, that took took years. So I, obviously you got into this, the part of the, in the intro, I was talking about how few ambulances there are. Yeah. 45 government-sponsored or government-run ambulances in a city of over 9 million people. Was that something that you were sort of aware of, or that was something that over the course of your, you know, the, the sort of 
you realized or they told you how what how bereft that that community is of emergency services it wasn't something that I was aware of at all. Uh, it's something that very few people in Mexico City know. You know, if you if you need an ambulance once or twice in your whole life, that's you know a lot. So, uh, it's, you know, they're not on people's minds in a, in a regular way. And I, the starting point for this film was never to make a, you know an expose of a broken healthcare system. It was you know, a desire to make a family drama. And the Ochoa family, their personality is just their kind of everyday life and need to kind of stay afloat was what interested me first. The more time I spent with them, I discovered that this was a, a really big systemic story as well. And I was just, you know, we would show up to accidents and I would just never see government ambulances arriving. And so I started to kind of investigate and, you know, just looking online, you get all sorts of numbers given to you that aren't correct. And I had to physically go to every institution in Mexico City that provides ambulances, and I, and I physically counted them. And my jaw just kind of dropped when I um, kind of got to that final number of, of fewer than 45. And that's for 9 million people, roughly. And is very much the upper limit of what they can provide there. On certain nights, there's far fewer working in the city. In addition to that, there are some other sort of institutional and non-institutional impediments to people getting this kind of emergency service. As we see in Midnight Family, there is a systemic corruption in Mexico City that is impacting the uh, that from happening, from people getting the the level of emergency services they need? Is that a fair assessment? If you kind of just look at how law enforcement and health care, kind of all of these big government systems in Mexico work, um, corruption is, you know, at the top of the list of things that keep them broken. Um, patients are in some ways being victimized by a health system that's not working. The Ochoa family are in some ways victimized by kind of a law enforcement in general, city government that's not working. And the latter kind of goes on and on, and you have all these people, none of which are, are getting what they need to survive. And what I wanted to show with the film was how corruption, which we typically think about in this kind of abstract, high-level way, it eventually trickles down to the street level and determines the life and death of people on a, you know, on an everyday basis, especially when you're dealing with emergency health care. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's it is so. Um, I say depressing, maybe not the exact right word. It's so discouraging to to sort of have some of the and I hate to say it this way, some of the biases that I have for Mexico in terms of its ability to govern itself and but to see them sort of confirmed in in this film I, there's I take no joy in in, in feeling that, that way but it just seems like uh, and I know Obrador has come in as a president of the new president of Mexico as one of his chief, primary uh, platforms is to to seek to undermine or just get rid of a lot of this corruption and it, it's it, 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 it's a real impact. People's lives are at risk. Uh, how many people uh, have died because they couldn't get a response quickly enough? We'll never know exactly, but it certainly has it as a way of undermining 
kind of a community of people who are asking for the barest of government uh, services to be mm-hmm. to be uh, available to them. Um, it, it's yeah, yeah. and at the, at the same time, you know what I, what I wanted to show with the film is how a family like the Achella right. family right. gets kind of caught into this, and you know the film is raw and unfiltered, but it's also a time to kind of hang out with these people that are trying to make the best with a system that's giving them the worst. And you kind of see how a family like the Ochoas navigates in everyday life where their kind of menu of choices is really limited and their kind of luxury to always do the right thing has been stripped from them by, by this system. Yeah, and thank you for and absolutely, and that's what the film really does focus on. I don't, I don't want to sound so dire about about that, but <laughs> but it, it but it's no, just it's, it's just one of those things that you you hear so much about corruption, and I mean with the drug trade and everything else, it's uh, you you just you just it's disheartening, I guess is the word I, I'm I'm looking for. But uh, let's let's focus on the main characters in the film. The father is it Fur? Am I saying? Uh, fair. It's fair, short fair. for uh, Fernando. Yeah, Fernando. Okay, and Josue, as well as uh, the well, the family is just as you described. They're just pretty darn remarkable people, and in the face of these overwhelming odds, they are they seem truly dedicated to providing uh, not only just getting people to a, a hospital, but providing them with another level of care and advice and empathy. Uh, they seem to be truly dedicated to what they do. Yeah, you know, they, they really are. Um, they're really warm people. And, you know, the main character of the film is Juan. He's this 17-year-old who essentially dropped out of middle school to start working with his father in this ambulance. Um, and he is, you know, like a NASCAR driver whizzing around the city trying to get to accidents first. Um, and you see in the film how really good people, you know, uh, like the Achawas, start to get pushed to make kind of bad decisions just to keep their business afloat. You know, they'll, they'll be making dinner at a gas station with a few cans of tuna, literally counting their pesos out because that's all they can afford. And then, you know, they'll be faced with patients who just refuse to pay. About 60 70% of the people that they transport just won't pay. They feel like an ambulance should be free. And so little by little, the Ochoas are looking to other ways to make, to make a living. And you see them start to kind of work with private hospitals that need better numbers and will pay a commission for each patient they bring in. And so, it, it, you know, the film gives you kind of a glimpse of how these broken healthcare infrastructures grab people like the Ochoas by the throat and kind of drag them in, despite the starting point being a family with a really, really big heart wants to do their best. And you're right about Juan. He is just a, such a dynamic person. It's it's uh, so heartening uh, to to see him uh, keep everyone in line. He he's he is the guy that keeps this ship afloat in many ways. I mean, the the father yeah. is the sort of spiritual head of the family in, in ways that his was his this is his enterprise, and he's certainly dedicated <laughs> to his family. But Juan is the one who makes it happen. And, uh, yeah. and so it, it's, a, yeah, you get to know, and you're, again, you're, you're there, you're in the, you're in the ambulance and you're watching these kind of crazy car chase scenes through the streets of, of Mexico city. 
And explain for our listeners why it was important for them to get there first. There's a, there was a certain a lot of competition around who arrived at the scene of an accident first. What, what's that about? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're competing for patients. The, the Achellas, uh, you know, need to transport as many people as possible to make a living. And there are other private ambulances with similar kind of desire to, to, to stay afloat. And so when an accident call comes through, it's not the government that's arriving. It's, it's two or three private ambulances run by similar families or individuals that are, you know, speeding through Mexico City traffic, swearing at each other, trying to get there first. Yeah. Uh, we're speaking with the director of the film, uh, Midnight Family, uh, Luke Lawrenson. The film has uh, been screening in film festivals. It seems like this film has been on its own journey, as the Ochoa family have been. Uh, I mentioned at the top of our interview, 135 film festivals around the world and garnered a remarkable array of, uh, of awards, uh, including a special jury award for cinematography at the Sundance Film Festival in 2019, just this year, uh, winner of Best Editing for the from the IDA International Documentary Association Awards, too numerous to mention all of them. I think one that stands out for me is the Maisel Brothers Award, special jury uh, mention at the Denver Film Festival, and, and lots and lots of other ones. Um, and so the ride that you've been on uh, as a filmmaker, uh, tell us a little bit about where this film has taken you and how much of this has been uh, kind of a, a, a jolt to your system and a, a confidence builder. <laughs> Got confidence builder for you as well. Tell, tell talk about that. It's just in terms of yeah, watching. it's been a remarkable year. You know, this is a film that I shot and edited and directed with one, you know, other lead producer, and we had a very small team, and we were kind of just working away on with a tiny budget, and then we're lucky enough to land a slot in the 2019 Sundance Film Festival, and that just catapulted this project and kind of took over my entire year. I've, I've been to maybe, you know, 20 or 30 countries this year, going to film festivals and different screenings literally all over the world and almost every continent. It's been amazing. You know, one of the things that I kind of love most about cinema is that you can go to Mexico, you can get to know this family, you can capture their story and you can bring it all the way to kind of rural Russia and people there will enjoy it and understand it and, and experience something they otherwise, you know, never would have experienced. And that's, you know, what I've been spending a lot of my year doing. And tonight is really exciting because it's the kind of first time that the film is really released commercially and, and will kind of land in cinemas all over the world. So it's kind of uh, the end of the festival run and the beginning of a much wider release. Yeah. Well, in addition to the awards that you've received, uh, and by the way, thank you for pointing that out, D director, editor, cinematographer. And by the way, I, I love the shot, and you use it quite a bit in the film, uh, the camera looking in to the, uh, to the cab of the, of the, uh, of the ambulance these, as they're driving. You, did you do some special lighting inside that cab? So when, when, you're, when you're shooting there, is that... Is that I, I didn't really. There, there were so many cool, crazy-looking neon lights that the ambulance kind of already had. But one of the kind of, as you're mentioning, one of the key shots in the film is just 
you know, a, a camera mounted on the hood filming in so you can see the people driving and sitting in the front. And I did add something like the size of an iPhone screen that just puts like a little bit more of a glow on, on people's faces. That's the only lighting that I did in the whole whole film, despite it almost all being at night. Yeah, it, it has a very cinematic look. There, There is, uh, it, it's just a cool looking film. And also that, that shot that we're, we're talking about inside the cab and that one horrific uh, accident with the young, um, with the baby, well, I don't know how old the the girl was that fell out of the four story building, but the mom's the look on the, is that her mom that we're looking at in the in the cab there? Yeah. Oh yeah, my God! Just watch her. Oh, I mean this this film this film has really some incredible moments in it. I mean, obviously you're you're in a accidents, uh, horrific things happen to people. It, it just by virtue of the, the of this, you're in an ambulance. That's that's what happens. But uh, there's so much going on, and the the interaction between. Uh, the Achos and the people that they're taking care of. It, it's just a, it makes you feel good about, even though under the circumstances, this isn't the most pleasant of things to be taking in. Uh, but at the same time, y- your your ability to kind of weave all this narrative together in a way that you, there's an arc to the story. Uh, and it's, and it's really wonderful. It's really wonderful. And just in the last minute here, the, the, the film, again, in addition to all the awards it's won, it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was selected as one of the 10 best films at the Sundance Film Festival last year, which that's some serious, serious competition. Uh, and uh, and the, the the reviews have just been off the charts, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I know that some filmmakers don't like me to even mention the word Rotten Tomatoes in the same sentence, but... Uh, uh, at the same time, when you get to this level, I think it, it's just a way of verifying what I what I see in the film, which is it is a remarkable film. And congratulations on this very intimate documentary about an amazing family, Luke. Yeah, well, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk and for, um, you know, thinking about the film. And I hope others out there listening can come come check it out. Uh, all the best to you. I I can't imagine that you're not getting offers or you're not coming. You're getting um, some recognition that will help you in future projects. So uh, any time, come back and uh, I'd love to see future work from you as well. So thank you. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Again, the film is Midnight Family. We've been speaking with the director, cinematographer, editor, Luke Lorenzen. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.